Bienvenuti to the second season of Rediscovering Italian America. We have a new name this season to center our focus on rediscovering what was lost after the assimilation generation. Now you ask your question there, what does that mean? The assimilation generation is a generation of children to either Italian American immigrant parents or grandparents. They are the generation that was told, you are in America now, you speak English. They never learned how to speak Italian. They never learned what it meant to experience saint festivals, eating around the table on Sunday afternoons, or they um, went off and uh, never truly understood the people that came before them. Essentially, rediscovering what was erased when we became part of the melting pot. Now that is the rediscovery generation. Rediscovering what was lost with the passing of the goddesses and goddesses of our, of our family. Now in season one, I had an episode talking about how we are trying to fit into the adult table as we grow older from the children table. However, what we find as adults is that as the gods and goddesses of our family pass away, those chairs are no longer around the table and we are no longer gathering with our family members. We are chasing the story of our people and what it really means to be Italian-American. So, for my first episode, I have Michelle DiPietro from New York City. She runs Mancha with Michelle. I would love for you guys to t- sit back and have a listen and please enjoy. I'm always looking for new people to interview, so anytime that you have a suggestion, please reach out to me. Otherwise, ciao. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the second season of Rediscovering Italian America. Today, I have on Michelle DiPietro from Manja with Michelle. Please introduce yourself to my Northeast Ohio audience. Well, hello, Northeast Ohio. I'm going to have to come out and visit you one of these days. I think I've passed through at some point in my life. My name is Michelle DiPietro. I am a second generation Italian-American, my grandparents were immigrants, you know, early 20th century. Um, I live in New York City. I am proud, I have proud New Jersey roots. I grew up in South Jersey outside of Philadelphia. And I believe that I was put on this earth to feed people. So I, my career's kind of taken a couple of turns, but uh, I'm currently a culinary, a food service consultant, culinary consultant, as well as a new food blogger, and I've been a social media influencer for a while, and also a recently new cookbook author. I wrote my first cookbook in 2020. So food and everything about food and cooking and eating and planning menus has been my career for over 20 years. And um, I definitely think it's a good fit for me, changing from my my first career. And um, that's it. I'm really excited to be here today. So thank you so much for inviting me, Emma. Uh 
I, I love that, that you said that you were put on this world to feed people. I, I think that is what the the deepest meaning of being Italian-American is right there and then. Our, our grandmothers, all of the women in our lives were put on this world to feed everybody. Uh, it's almost like going into your grandmother's house, eat, are you hungry? Eat, to eat, eat more. And it's like, no, no, grandma, I'm done. I'm done. No, eat, eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about Italian-Americans, but it's it's all about the food. I, it, to, you know, food is love. And I think I've said that with a prior interview with the author, Andrew Cotto, and yeah. the, what you put into your food and you put it on the plate and the experience you have with that food is oh. the love. Love is expressed in so many different ways, but I think uh, with food, it is a palette of experiences right there and then. Well, there's a lot that, you know, when you have food memories, you know, you, have, you think food memories, it's not just about the food. It's about who you cooked it for or who, who cooked it for you. Who, wh what was the weather like that day? Where, was it like, what was going on that day? Who did you eat it with? What did you talk about? I mean, and that, I mean, a lot of, over the years I've gotten asked so many times, like, what's your favorite food or what was one of your favorite meals? I'm like, well, that's going to change all the time because it's going to change based on like the whole experience. It's not just about the dish, although it is a lot about the dish because, yeah. you know, obviously I'm the one creating the dish. So I realize it's a lot about that, but it's definitely not, it's definitely not all about that. And yeah, food brings people together and therefore creates experiences be beyond the actual nourishment, I think. How did a formal or former certified accountant find herself creating the ideal meal around a kitchen table in order to know the people? So, um, yes, I was a certified public accountant in my first career. I was an accounting major in college and I, and I was an auditor for five years. But going back a little bit before that, I started, you know, I grew up in an Italian-American family. I, my mom was a stay-at-home mom and I started cooking with her when I was like five years old. Like I remember, I kind of remember, you know, she reminded me over the years, like making eggs with her. That was the first thing. And then my grandmother um, making pasta with her, I made pasta with her. And I just, oh, I always loved to eat and I always loved to cook from a very young age. I mean, I can remember the first times of, of lots of food. And actually when I was really young, I used to say, oh, I wanted to be a chef when I grew up, but I was also very into academics. And, you know, that's another sort of, I'd say characteristic of a lot of Italian Americans or children of immigrants working hard, doing well in school and everything. And I always had to get that A. And I did very, you know, I did well. And I just, I never had aspirations to go into the food business <clears throat> until I was in a career that I actually wasn't passionate about. And uh, which gave me a lot of opportunities and I don't regret it at all. I mean, one of the biggest opportunities it gave me was to, li I lived in Europe at a very young age. I did an international exchange. I lived in Switzerland for two years, um, this French speaking part of Switzerland when I was 25 to 27. And, you know, prior to that, I was starting to get a little bit like, I guess, jaded or just, unhappy in my job as an auditor. But I wasn't like mature enough or ready to make a move, you know, I mean, you don't graduate college with a bunch of co college loans and then you go back and tell your Italian American parents, I think I want to go and cook for a living. And like, that was just a conversation I was not ready to have, you know, but then I went to Europe for a couple of years. I, gosh, experienced so much. And what I was so interesting to me was how everybody, I was working with accountants, you know, auditors and accountants there. But Food was part of the culture for everybody, regardless of the fact that whether or not they were in the industry. You know, back in New York, I just remember everyone at lunchtime, all we ever talked about, well, 
what was talked about was like sports and stuff like that. In Europe, everyone always just talked about food. It was like such a part of the culture. I was able to travel like extensively for two years, really like a life-defining experience for me. And that gave me like the courage and really like the drive to decide to change careers. So when I came back to the US after two years and I was supposed to go back and work in my job in New York, this is where I had left, I quit my job, moved back in with my parents in South Jersey at age 27 and went to cooking school in Philadelphia. And I never looked back. And for me, I just, I, I wanted to be in the food business in one way or the other. I had never actually worked in the food business professionally. I just had always cooked a lot at home, but I figured like going to cooking school was the best way to get into the industry, whether it was um, just through connections or, you know, but I wanted to combine my business background with food somehow. And I actually thought maybe I'd own my own gourmet food store, which I never ended up doing, but I did end up working in the specialty food industry for a really long time. And um, I mean, that's sort of how I, you know, that was my transition into the food service industry. But throughout all the years of being a professional chef, I was also very much a avid home cook. And I'm just all about like, that's my, I guess my, my Italian American roots coming out. Like I always lived in cities, but I still always, like I always had my urban family around me and I still had dinner parties in my apartments and I still do to this day. You know, it's just like cooking for others on a more personal level was just something I always really, really enjoyed. In addition to, you know, being involved in the food world on the professional level as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I had a similar experience. Um, I had studied abroad twice in undergrad. Um, uh, luckily, my university had a um, campus in Castel Gandolfo, which is outside of Rome, where um, famously the Pope has a summer palace, but the current Pope does not go there. Uh, he does not believe in the lavish experience of a summer palace. Those Jesuits. Um, <laughs> yeah, and um, then I had gone abroad for a master's in Aberdeen, Scotland, um, ended up changing careers and coming back living with my parents. My, you know, well, having, a, having an Italian American, uh, even though my, my father is Irish American, he's Italian by marriage. Yes. So he's IBM. We always joke about that here in, in the Midwest. He's IBM, Italian by marriage. Uh, coming back home to those Italian parents, they will always be there to support you and to help you get back on your future where you need to go for your next. And they, and they want you to live there. It doesn't matter how old oh, you are. Oh yeah, they want you home. It's like, they no, 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 we don't care. We don't care. Well, uh, I mean, the fact that I went to Switzerland for two years, I think my mom, she didn't relax for two years until I got back on American soil. Oh, same she, thing with my mother and father. At the, yeah. like, when, you know, I sidestep here, um, I happened to uh, talk to a couple of cousins in my grandmother's village in Vasco Girardi, and they said when people would leave the village, they would go to the piazza, mm. and it was almost like experiencing a funeral, the death of the person's soul in that village. When I went abroad and I got on that plane, my parents mourned my experience of being at home, my, you know, my representation of being at home. And when I came back home, it was, uh, you know, the re- uh, uh, the coming to life again of me being back at home. Right, right, right. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's, I think with any, with any even ethnocentric family, I think it's very similar, but yeah. it's, it, we understand that experience as being an Italian Americans. Yeah. And I mean, I, they, my parents were absolutely supportive when I said, I, you know, decided to go to cooking school. I think um, they got it. I mean, they understood what I wanted to do because again, food. Um, but it was funny because as soon as I, I mean, I went to work for Whole Foods Market and I worked for for them for a really long time. But as soon as I started with them, which was part-time while I was still in cooking school, the first thing my dad started telling everybody, oh, my daughter, she's gonna be the CFO of Whole Foods. I'm like, it's not 
really what that's not really what's happening here but okay yeah. if that's what you feel the need to tell everybody yeah. <laughs> i guess you, you want me to kind of get back into that finance world but okay i don't know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. That, that didn't happen you know obviously um part of your food philosophy states that food made from scratch are often more nutritious and less expensive and taste better we no longer lead the streamlined lies of our parents and our grandparents. This generation of Italian American has uh, find it more difficult to create the dishes of our ancestors. Where would you suggest the rediscovery generation of Italian Americans start? To start a little bit of cooking for themselves, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I think well, as a as a not just an Italian American generation, but as a generation, as the generations have gone on, people have gotten away from being in the kitchen, right? I mean, we don't have the uh, stay-at-home mom anymore for, you know, as much as we used to, and uh, everything's always about work and, and efficiency and convenience. But I do believe that. I mean, and I love going out just as much as the next person. But I, I do believe that <clears throat> anything that you cook at home is going to be better for you. Yes, it's going to be more. It's going to be more nutritious. Most likely, it's going to be less. Um, bad for you, it's going to be more economical, and it's probably going to taste better. But that thought for many people is so overwhelming, because a lot of people did not grow up with a mom or a grandmother, like showing them how to cook or cooking for them, period. So yeah, if you have this desire, where do you start? I mean, I just would say, and this is the advice I would give to anyone who's interested in learning about food, is start with the basics, like find foods that you like to eat, and, and just start start trying them out. I mean, for me, I, I always say like, if you, if you don't know where to start, start with eggs. Eggs are like a really, you can make an egg like so many different ways and it's like a good way to practice. Um, maybe start having small dinner parties with your friends where it's like a potluck, you know, where you don't have so much pressure on yourself to like do this whole meal. Cause the timing is also, what, what I realize what stresses people out a lot. The timing of getting all the, the different dishes ready at the same time on the table. That's something I take for granted. But people have always said to me, like the timing, like, I don't know about the timing. So you know what, just do the one dish and have everybody bring one dish. And then you, and then you get to talk about it. And then if you're interested in your own dishes, you know, um, focus on maybe the, like get a cookbook or, or join a Facebook group. I mean, there's so many great ideas out there, especially if you wanna like explore the foods of your ancestors, whether it's Italian American foods that they made here or you know, Italian foods they made in Italy. I'm still discovering foods that come from the regions that my grandparents came from that we didn't grow up with because my grandparents were like farmers and very, very, very poor lived in like these hill towns. So a lot of the uh, fancier foods that you see in Italy today, like we never had that growing up. We never had fresh, I never had fresh mozzarella until I was an adult. <clears throat> um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I would just say start and don't be afraid of cooking because it's just food, you know? It, I know it's, it's very intimidating um, maybe, and maybe start a tradition. Like maybe if Sunday dinner, you can't do Sunday dinner. Maybe it's like Friday, every Friday night you have a dinner or once a month even, you know, I'd say start small. Don't be afraid of messing up. Just uh, one step at a time, really. Um, my grandmother was 12 of 12 children, um, uh, you know, in an Italian American family. And she used to say they grew up very poor, you know, the farmers, the hill people, etc. But uh, there's, there's a new movement called uh, Cucina Povera, or the poor kitchen. 
and she used to say um, to us all uh, when we would say, oh, you know what, we can't do what you do. Um, anybody can cook, but a true cook can make something out of nothing. So when you start from nothing and you build it up and you slowly gain your confidence of what you were uh, just stated, uh, anybody can make something delicious out of it. You know, that <clears throat> that's a good point. And I always have said, that if you can make soup, you probably can make, you can probably cook anything, like soup from whatever's in the kitchen, like from whatever you have on hand, as opposed to from a recipe, then you can cook. Because that is a great example of um, a technique and just a way of using foods and thinking about the flavors that go together and um, making something from nothing. You know, making soup is actually very, very rewarding, I think. You know, maybe that's, you, why I wrote a, maybe that's why I wrote a soup cookbook. I don't know. I mean, I didn't think yeah, about you, it that way until just now. <laughs> you know what? Since you've mentioned it, I, I you know, I'm going to jump to that question here. So, um, you know, I think myself as being very unproductive because all I've done is gone in, uh, you know, as a pharmacist in the middle of a pandemic, it, it's been down in trenches, given vaccines, given prescriptions, hoping every single day nobody gets COVID. Um, so I, I, you know, you said it before we started recording that you don't think you were that productive, but I think you have been one of the most productive people, uh, that I've met in the last few years. Um, you had recently published a book, Supified, and are launching, or you just recently launched your website, manjawithmichelle.com. What inspired you to create these major influential medias? So first of all, thank you for telling, you know, saying that you think I've been productive. Um, <laughs> as I've said before, you know, we always tend to look at things that we haven't gotten done or like how yeah. long it took us to get to, to do something as opposed to celebrating it. And um, I appreciate that. And yes, I did um, write my first cookbook during lockdown in 2020 in my New York City apartment, um, which I'm very proud of. And I love the, I love the cookbook, but just step, taking a step back in terms of Munch with Michelle as a brand. I started that in, gosh, I think it was, I guess it was four years ago. I think it was right around Thanksgiving 2017. I can't believe it's been that long. So, so basically it took me four years to get my website together. So that is what I, that's what I see. But, you know, obviously there were lots of other things that kind of happened there. But so when I, in 2015, I, I was laid off from my job, um, small company that I was working for that got sold. And I started my own consulting firm called It's All About the Food. And so, so, and that is, I still do that. That's my, uh, that's my, I guess you could call it my day job, a food service consulting after about 18 years in the industry. And, but as an independent, and I work primarily with small, actually all different kinds of companies. A lot of, um, a lot of the projects I take on are with like creating new menus, new recipes, commercialized recipes big batch recipes, all different sorts for retail, fast casual concepts, restaurants, all different types of things. But as an independent consultant, I'm sure you can imagine there are peaks and valleys in terms of how busy you are. And sometimes you have a lot of projects and sometimes you have nothing. And it was one of those times when I didn't have anything going on. And I kind of started, you know, saw what was going on on social media and Instagram. And uh, I'm like, maybe I should, you know, maybe I should like explore this. So I, I actually had an account called, I always had my account called It's All About the Food, which was my work account. And I did have a second account, which was called, and I think you'll like this, In Abruzzi Si Mangia Bene. Mm. Abruzzi with an I, because as you know, being from your grandparents from Melize and my two of my grandparents are from Abruzzo, when they were immigrants, Abruzzo and Melize, 
were Abruzzi. So, and in Abruzzo, in Abruzzo si mangia bene is an expression I had learned in 2015 when I went to Italy and I took a four day side trip to Abruzzo and I learned that expression, which means in Abruzzo you eat well. I just thought it was a fun, it had like a good ring in Abruzzi si mangia bene. And it was just stuff I posted about anything, my love and my passion for everything Italian, whether it was like pictures from my travel, some funny memes, foods I was eating, foods I was cooking. But I've decided to take that account and I guess be a little bit more organized about it and mm-hmm. kind of change the name and really trying to focus more about uh, connecting with the home cook through it. And I changed it to Manja with Michelle about four years ago. And I kind of just started as a side passion project for me while I was working. But I also thought of it, maybe one day I'll be able to monetize it, like work with brands and have some supplemental income for my consulting practice. It wasn't that uh, strategic about it, but I was strategic enough to know that I need, you know, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm changing the name and I'm going to work, focus on recipes. But it started to take on a whole life of its own and it didn't even take all that much time. Like I wasn't expecting to make so many connections with so many different people, many in the Italian American community. And I really feel like, you know, starting Manja with Michelle is what kind of brought me back to thinking a lot about my roots and being Italian American and what it means to be Italian American these days. And, you know, I've met so many other people through the platform. And I found out that I really, really enjoyed it. Like I really love, love connecting with home cooks. And uh, somewhere along that journey, I also realized that my professional passions were starting to shift. And I was just so much more interested in in home cooks and connecting with home cook as opposed to food service, which I still do obviously, but like, you know, food service and food blogging, both under the culinary umbrella, opposite sides of the spectrum. And, you know, now I find myself in a position where I'm trying to change my career yet again, still under that same umbrella. But, you know, I hope this last part of my career will take me into like, you know, really continuing to connect with home cooks through Manj with Michelle. And where it was just a social media platform on Instagram and Facebook for I'd say the first three years. Yes, it's finally, I finally have launched my website because I realized that it's important to have a website, you know, all the years in social media and social media is sort of up and down. And one of the things I learned just by connecting with other food bloggers and other media people is that you need to have your own thing. And so my website is my own thing. It's new and it's going to take me a while to get to all, all the hundreds of recipes that I want to put on there. Um, but I'm excited about it. And I am going to mostly focus on the, the classic Italian American and some regional Italian dishes on that website. Um, whereas when I, with my cook, I actually have a, an idea for a second cookbook, which is definitely much more innovative interpretations of Italian flavors and cooking. And then in terms of, um, you know, my cookbook, 2020 hit us and I found myself without any consulting clients and with a lot of time in my apartment. And I had this idea and talking to another friend of mine in Texas, we both were like, hey, maybe we should do eBooks. And for some reason in my mind, I thought an eBook would would be like a small PDF of maybe six to 10 recipes that I could eventually sell on my website. And I never really thought through that, oh, I wanna self-publish a cookbook. Because if I had actually thought about, if I had actually told myself, I'm going to self-publish a cookbook. I would have talked myself out of it in five minutes at the most. 
I don't know how to do that. How could I ever afford a photographer? How would I ever do distribution? This, that, I don't know how to do this, 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 and this. No, I'm not going to do it. But because I never really like aimed to self-publish a cook, an actual printed cookbook, I just sort of did it one step at a time and it turned into that project. And for me, again, remembering I'm a, I'm a, I'm a chef, I'm a food person. It was all about the recipes. So I just started with one recipe at a time. And I, and because it was a PDF, I'm like, I'm just going to move ahead and do the photos myself because if I have to wait until I can afford a photographer, I'll never do this. And I definitely don't consider myself a food photographer, but look, I styled everything myself. I took all the photos myself again in my apartment and you know, one recipe turned into another, turned into another. And then all of a sudden I was like, all right, I'm going to do 31 recipes and I'm going to do a print on demand cookbook. And um, it then, it, yeah. And then this time last year, in fact, approaching the one year anniversary, I, I released Supify, soups inspired by your favorite dishes, which is definitely not an Italian cookbook, but my Italian American roots for sure come through in Supify. It's a very different way of looking at food and soups and your and classic recipes and foods that you probably are familiar with. Um, basically it's soup versions of classic dishes like chicken marsala, lasagna, shrimp scampi, even um, Chinese egg roll, you know, um, lots of dishes. All of the uh, things that we love to eat on those uh, cold winter nights where we want to bundle up. It's definitely, uh, yeah. Definitely yeah, but you know, the modern person we don't have enough time for, but like you said, um, you know, if you can make a soup, you can make anything. And, you know, I do remember thinking when I was going through the book, because, you know, cooking is a technique. And once you know one technique, you, and that's what they teach you in cooking school, for the most part, they teach you techniques so that you could take those techniques and apply them to all different types of ingredients. Mm -hmm. and, and making soup is a technique. And if people get my book and they really do go through and like look at the recipes, I'm starting each recipe the same exact way, you know, and the steps in the recipe are like, you know, they're all in the same order. Like first you add your fat to the pot, then you, you put your aromatics in, whether it's, you know, just onion or garlic, onion, celery, whatever. And then, and then you add your tomato paste if you're using that, and then you add this, and then you add the broth. I mean, it's, so I was hoping that people who would go through the book would then be like, oh, you know what? I don't see this recipe in here that I want, but now I know how to make, I know like, the technique of making soups because I've made a few soups from Superfine already. And I think I could apply those steps to something else. And that's just like, that's, I think the professional chef in me coming out, like, like it's, you know, soup, like one, two, three, it's, it's a technique. Um, I've read many of the reviews on uh, Amazon, other places where your book is uh, available for. And that's what people say time and time again. It's uh, the technique that you have created and put into your foundation of creating your recipes is applicable to almost anything. And that's what they like the most about your book. Speak oh, of that good. then. Um, so uh, I know we have Amazon. Okay. Uh, is there any other place that our, my listeners can find your book? For sure. So I have, the book is in three different versions. There is the hardcover, the paperback, and then the, the ebook, I guess you would call it. And the hardcover, if you just Google Supified, the hardcover is actually available on lots of online retailers through um, a different company. It's also print on demand. The paperback and the Kindle are only available on Amazon. Although Barnes and Noble also has an, a version of the ebook. There's lots of places out there online selling Superfy. There is for all the, if there's any Brooklyn listeners out there that I don't know if there are in Northeast. Well, Ohio. Across, so I, want, I want to reach out that far, you know, yeah, uh, there I is one, Brooklyn Italian Americans yeah. are you know, just as interested. 
There is one, um, I have one brick and mortar um, independent bookstore called The Bookmark Shop in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. It's been very supportive and they actually carry my book. It's, it's hard as a self-publisher to get your book into brick and mortar stores. Mm-hmm. And especially as a, you know, print uh, on demand cookbook. But, you know, this was the first time I did it. I, my idea for my set, I mean, I would love to be published uh, through a traditional publisher for my second book. So that's what I'm aiming for. That's a much longer endeavor, years of, and I'm just at the planning stage of the idea, you know, involves literary agents and publishers and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully I will, you know, get a publishing deal at some point. Um, the self-publishing is hard, you know, I mean, it's hard, especially for a cookbook. There's, you're talking about a lot of color pages and photos. It's, it's rough, but I'm glad. I'm so glad I did it. You know, I think that publishing is not what we uh, what we think it is. That there's so much more that goes into it, and no matter whether you're doing black and white color, anything like that. But when you're dealing with food, you want color too, so that people can see the vibrancy behind it. No, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I, I didn't know what, what I was getting myself into. Like I was, you know, it was last summer, and I was in the middle of the recipes. Maybe I was getting towards the end of the recipes, and I was, I had a catch up phone call with my graphic designer Lizanne who was working on my website and I told her like oh by the way I'm working on this cookbook we hadn't talked in months and she's like oh um well who's designing your cookbook <laughs> and I'm like well I don't know I said I guess I am I didn't even know that, that was <laughs> I didn't even know that was something that needed to be done <laughs> this is how like ignorant I really was and how I yeah, didn't yeah. really do it the right way and think about everything so I thought I could just do it on word. I mean, what did I know? You know, so. <laughs> so. Well, we got to we got to start someplace, you know, uh, right. in order to start a journey, you have to start at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I know myself. I mean, I'm really glad the way that I did it, the way that I did it, meaning like one step at a time and didn't really think about the outcome because then I did it. Mm-hmm. But, but again, if I really thought of it as, as a self-published cookbook in the beginning, it would have been very overwhelming for me especially during an overwhelming year, you know. Um, what is your go-to recipe? That is a really hard question. I know for everybody, I know. You ask other, you ask other people this? <laughs> and, uh, you, know, you know, I go to um, the recipes that create memories for me yeah. because, uh, you know, if you're in a situation where you don't have a certain ingredient or anything, you can still create that memory that is behind that recipe. Right. Um, even if you're lacking one ingredient or or I, I made tiramisu and my zabayone like splattered, it, it, it split. So, but the making of the tiramisu uh, behind that and the recipe that I got it from uh, has those memories behind it. No, what, sure. What's your thought? And I think a go-to recipe is also something you like to cook and you like to make as well. So I would say my go-to recipe, let's, uh, I'm going to talk about more like my go-to category, which I'm not, it's probably going to sound. About that. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll go that route. Yeah, very cliche, but it's, yeah. I'd say it, it's pasta anything. I wish I wasn't such a carb, uh, a holic, but I am. And I just, I love pasta. I, well, I love eating pasta, but I just love cooking. I love cooking pasta. Like it's the, it's a, it's a, like a, canvas like right like that you can just mm-hmm. I mean has if you make pasta itself just with the salt water it has flavor in and of itself and it's the pasta's made right but it's a canvas that you can add so many different flavors to you can make you know something heavy something light something nutritious something meaty and there's so many things you can do with it there's so many different ways that you can serve it people love it people love to receive it 
People love to eat it. I love to have, you know, give it away to people. I love to eat it myself. And it is very quick. You can make things really quick. I don't actually do a lot of homemade pasta like a lot of people do. Um, but I would like to get back to that. In fact, I'm going to a, an industry event tonight with a really good flour uh, producer from Italy. So who knows, maybe that'll all change after tonight and I'm gonna, and I might come home and start wanting to make pasta. Uh, you know, I think making your own pasta is difficult. I try to do, um, make my own and you have to have the right flour. That you, that's an yeah. important point. If you don't have the right flour, um, or if you're just trying to do an all-purpose flour, it, yeah. it's, it doesn't create what, what your memory has for what pasta should be. Right. And I, it doesn't have to be that difficult, but I, ju I do think that you need to do it regularly to get better at it. Yo, definitely. I just haven't, I mean, I just haven't really done it regularly in a really long time, but I think there are excellent, excellent dried pastas out there. And in many applications, you know, a dried pasta can be better than a fresh pasta, but I love pasta, everything. And my second go-to category would be no surprise here, soups for kind of the same reason you can do so much with soups. It's also like, just, it's what you want to eat when you're not feeling well. It's very comforting. I think with both pasta and soups as well, they're very nostalgic to anybody. Well, especially soup, whether you're um, Italian American or not, I think having soup is, you know, brings nostalgia of experiences you had when you were a child or maybe foods your mom made for you when you weren't feeling well. Um, so I would say those two, but in terms of like a desert island food, I, I'm always gonna go back to my mom's eggplant parm and she's been gone so many years now, but I wish, she was still around to make it, but I can still taste it in my head. And, you know, she just made it a special way. Like it just was There's, still good. Yeah, I totally, I understand that. Um, I can't, my mom cannot make uh, the dishes my grandmother made because she's not there to make them. She can't make them the same way. Or the presence of her alone yeah. is what is missing yeah. from that. But, you know, we should still uh, try to carry those on as well. Absolutely. And, um, Chicken cutlet and broccoli rob. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, and honestly, it's just it's it's just best. And I mean, broccoli rob and an eggplant parm in a sandwich would work. Broccoli rob and a chicken cutlet in a sandwich would work. <laughs> uh, anything you know, eat to, my mom went through a stage. She she would do so much like that. It's like, uh, okay, what are my leftovers from the dishes I made? Uh, eggplant parm. Okay, we're gonna put that in a sandwich. Okay, the chicken, <laughs> we're gonna put that in a sandwich. Sure, no, for sure. For you know, sure. we were we were the ones that went to school with, uh, you know, uh, uh, with the ethnic food in our lunches. We didn't have the peanut butter and jelly. Uh, you know, we went yeah, yeah. with the eggplant for our lunch in school, which was uh, I still to this day makes me laugh sometimes. Eggplant, and I mean, I definitely had broccoli rob in my sandwiches. We sometimes had peanut butter and jelly. It's not like we never had that, but I meatballs, you know, oh, cold, yeah. meatball, cold meatballs sliced on the sandwich with that were in the sauce. We would have that. And it's funny because I must have posted something on my Facebook at some point in the recent past, my personal Facebook page, not my manja with Michelle about sandwiches. And somebody that I went to grade school with commented, he's like, and the, you know, grade school, how many years ago? He's like, oh, he's like, Michelle, I, I totally remember all the sandwiches that you used to take to school. He's like, they always looked so good. I always wish I had them. And I'm like, really? Because I, I don't like, I don't remember that at all. I don't remember us ever. I don't remember. I mean, maybe was he like sitting next to me and he always sort of looked over, but we never talked about it. Or maybe <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. Like this random person had like these memories of the sandwiches I used to bring to school. 
I think that's so funny. Uh, food, food is memory. And, you yeah. know, I, I have to ask this question because I talked about <laughs> this in one of my first episodes. Um, it was called uh, The Gods and Goddesses of, of remembering to go to uh, family gatherings where the aunts and uncles are at the big table and there's no space for the little kids to squeeze in to try even to talk to the adults. And you were stuck at the, the children's table. Um, you know, as an adult now, I, I I wish I could almost I could invite those who have been passed now to my adult table. Oh, for sure. Who would you invite to your table to share a meal and why? Well, I mean, it, it's the same. I there's no doubt that I would invite my parents, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, all of which have passed on. You know, um, and most of my grandparents passed on when I was very young. I only had one until I was 20, and after 20, I had no you know no more grandparents. And I mean, I would love to show my parents, especially like how far I've come in the culinary world, you know, and, and share that with them. Um, wouldn't it be so nice if we could do that? And then, you know, in terms of people that are still here, there's, I'm not, there's no big celebrities. It's really the people that are important to me in my life. Like the people that I still have around my table, I would want around my table. The people that I want to share, because eating, eating with a meal with someone's a very personal, thing to do, you know? So you wanna have people around your table that A, are gonna enjoy your food and love your food and that you're just gonna to wanna to enjoy spending time with. However, if there was a few couple of celebrities I could invite to my table, I always, I was a huge fan of Anthony Bourdain. Oh, definitely. I, I always thought he would be a great dinner companion. I mean, for years, I was just, I always just thought he'd be so cool. So he would be like, I guess in a, in a, fantasy world him and then the other thing is I really love to laugh so I would love to invite both Jerry Seinfeld and Sebastian Maniscalco over because I just think it would be so fun they're my two of my my you know my favorite comedians and, <laughs> I just uh, went and to his Sebastian show in uh, Columbus uh, I saw his show in Columbus uh, about a month Sebastian, ago Sebastian or Jerry oh uh, no Sebastian yeah yeah I've seen them both live once which is it's been great I mean, yeah, he's Italian American, so you, you, yeah. know, you, get, you get that angle. And then Jerry, who's the Jewish, because I don't, I mean, I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood. So I, you know, we always used to say there's not that many differences between the Jews and the Italians. No, no, it's, you know, all it is is, uh, you know, uh, just a different, uh, you know, uh, church. Other than that, it's pretty much the same thing around the table. No, I know. And I think Sebastian actually has a skit about it because he married a Jewish yes, woman. Yes, he did. Yeah. He's like, I always say the Jews and the Italians. Same corporation, different division. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's funny. No, no, yeah, I think that would be really fun. And maybe those two with Anthony Bourdain, that could be pretty funny as well. Oh, that'd be interesting because oh, Anthony Bourdain was... just has like a certain demeanor, had a demeanor about himself. It's Absolutely. like, I don't yeah. know if he would uh, take them seriously or not to tell you. I don't truth. know, but it would be funny to watch. <laughs> Oh, um, so what is coming down the pipeline for you in the future? You've mentioned um, an upcoming cookbook. Um, if you want to speak a little bit more on that and a few other things that are coming up. Sure. I mean, the cookbook is in, is in the planning stages, but I do have an idea that I'm working on and I'm excited about and trying to work on that um, after having just launched a website is a little bit difficult, but the, you know, the, I'd say the biggest thing coming down the pipeline is going to be more and more recipes and content on manjawithmichelle.com, which is the focus for me right now. Um, I also have some like great brand partnerships in the pipeline, which, so I could say, follow me on, on social media, you know, to stay up to date on that. And the one year anniversary is, of Superfied is coming up right after Thanksgiving. 
And I do have a big giveaway planned to celebrate that. It's gonna, the giveaway is gonna be on Instagram and be giving away a bunch of different things that are manja with Michelle related. One would be actually, actually here's my book right here. So it's a signed version of my hardcover book as well as a manja with Michelle wooden spoon, an apron, a tote bag, um, and a special superfied ceramic soup bowl custom right here. Um, with one of my brand partners, I'm gonna be giving away a six quart beautiful Dutch oven that is great quality and a carrying case for it. And uh, also more books from some of my fellow authors, friends that I have connected with over the years on social media. So it's really gonna be like a nice fun giveaway. I'm excited about it. I can't believe it's been one year almost since I, I released the cookbook. But um, those are the big things going on right now. Now, what is your hashtag um, uh, for Instagram and where can the listeners follow you? I, I would say definitely on both Instagram and Facebook as Manja with Michelle, and that's um, Michelle with one L, which I guess you'll put in your- <laughs> Yes, 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 yeah. <laughs> Manja with Michelle. Um, my website is manjawithmichelle.com. And that's really it. And also all the links, if you go to the website, everything is on there. You can find links to my cookbook, you can find links to my social media and you could definitely find links to us, some of my favorite products as well. Um, and again, that's Manja with Michelle with one L because there is actually a website out there with two L's. So <laughs> and Well, uh, Michelle with one L is actually the traditional spelling of Michelle. It's Michele. Well, but uh, that's the man's name. That's uh, the traditional yeah, that, spelling, yeah. that's the traditional yeah. spelling of Michael and it always gets yeah, very confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really what has, when I when I was first introduced to you, and I'm like, I because I have this. My brain works in two separate compartments. When because I didn't I didn't uh, grow up speaking Italian, so Italian's a second language. I always have to go Italian, then translate it, and then when I was introduced, I'm like, Michele. I'm like, who is this? And then I'm like, oh, Michelle. I'm like, oh, oh, I oh, I know who that is. Yeah. Story of my life, like between having to tell you know, um, correct people how to spell my first name, also, you know, how to spell my last name and put, in, you know, put a space between the I and the P, Di Pietro. It's just, it's like, a, you well, know. Uh, so six degrees of separation, there is a Di Pietro, that's how they pronounce it here in Canton, their restauranteur uh, family that owns a, a huge restaurant business here in uh, Canton, Ohio, and a pizza business. So they have right. uh, pizza restaurants all over uh, Stark County, and they have right. the same name, but no space. So uh, maybe, maybe long, long time ago in a generation uh, far, far away that there's maybe some sort of relation. Maybe, possibly, yeah. never know. Um, so getting back to the theme of the podcast, the rediscover, the rediscovery generation of Italian America is about rediscovering what we have, what has been lost from assimilation by our grandparents and parents or even great grandparents. What is your advice for the rediscovery generation in order to encourage them to take that step to discover their Italian American identity? Well, of course, I'm going to say start with food. And that goes yeah. back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, so we don't really have to repeat that, but it's always um, a great place to start because people can relate to food and it's a very easy way to incorporate it into your life, whether it's through a recipe um, that you, you found or that you saw online that you want to try out. Um, but seriously, if you are into food, like start reading about some of the origins of the dishes as well, because that could be interesting and also just um, open your eyes to maybe what things were like back then. You mentioned the term cucina povera, right? I mean, that's the yes. food of all of our ancestors, which was just 
and a lot of the dishes that that they, that they would make would be like I guess described as that it's just cooking with what you have and not you know like no fuss cooking and like making um using all the parts of you know the vegetable the animal whatever it is and but that tells you a lot about what that gen what that generation was like and what their lifestyle was like so that's why it's a food's a great place to start um I also think connecting with other Italian Americans on social media is another great way I mean I really it really um influenced me and 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 affected me when I started like I said earlier when I started Manja with Michelle I, I, I never really expected to make so many friends that have become good friends through social media and, and um, find so many other people out there with like the shared experience. And also the, these days there's lots of Facebook groups that I would say is another great way to connect with people that have um, shared backgrounds. Cause you know, people like, like to talk and you kind of learn a lot that way. And it's not that hard to do. There's definitely a big presence. Um, I also think, and I should do more of this myself, watch documentaries. There's, there have been some really great documentaries that have been around. I mean, probably you can find them online or Netflix or something. Um, and movies, you know, talk to whoever's left, look through old photos, um, try to, and then I guess even the next step would be try to visit the hometowns in Italy. This is something I still need to do myself. I mean, even if it's not that hometown, maybe the region, you know, like maybe if you, you really are serious about it, go back go back to the home country, you know, and, and see what things are like there. Um, what I would say initially, start with food and start with social media because there's so many other people out there like you probably, that would be a good way, easy way to start. And you, what I always tell people too, is that I'm not hundred percent Italian uh, or Italian American, you know, even though I look very Italian American, my father is, is Irish American descent. That doesn't mean, uh, you know, to also um, say, well, you know, I I'm just only going to look at that. Look at both sides, too, because that is also the American story of us coming together as a group. Um, sure. You know, and I always tell people, too, there's more than being Italian in America than Olive Garden, Pizza Hut, Papa John's and Godfather. Dig a little deeper. Uh, it, there's so much more and there's so much that you can find and, uh, you know, be interested in. And if you're afraid about the Italian language too, uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, when I first went to Italy, I didn't speak any Italian and, but there are more and more people over there that speak English that would be willing to help direct you. If you just learn how to say hello, goodbye, thank you, and please, they'll bend over backwards for you. No, for sure. I agree. Um, so we're coming up on my last question that I like to ask everybody here. What does being Italian American mean to you? I'd say it's a lot about having a shared experience, um, regardless of where we live in the country. It's, you know, I like to think of it like, it's sort of like fellow alumni from the same university. Like you meet somebody who went to your university, you don't know them, you've never met them before, but there's an immediate connection and um, appreciation maybe, um, or acknowledgement of like what, you know, of the other person, you know, that they, you know, you had the same similar experience, even though it wasn't together. And so therefore you have something in common. And so therefore you're on the same team, you know, like being part of a club. It's like, there's sort of a bond that exists even if you don't know the person. Um, and I think that there's a very large part of nostalgia that goes along with being Italian American, even if you're not even Italian American. And I don't really, 
know if I'm going to be able to explain that well. I mean, obviously I am Italian American and I'm, a, I'm also a very nostalgic person personally. And I'm very, in, you know, I'm very interested in, in, in the past and my personal genealogy and whatnot. But I've met people that were just feel like, like that are totally not at all Italian American or Italian or anything. And they kind of feel like they are, or maybe like they're almost nostalgic for what like they didn't have growing up, but that they want it. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's because I guess, what's that expression? You're either Italian or you want to be Italian. And I think that- uh, Yeah, yeah, you, you know, and I happened to uh, the first season, I said, even if you're 1% Italian American, you're still Italian American. And those who aren't only want to be Italian American. Yeah, and even uh, if, what I was trying to say is even if it's not your own personal nostalgia, I think that, and it's kind of hard to explain, but it comes down to like a feeling of the old days, even if you did not personally experience that. Yeah, yeah. Even for yeah. me, like, you know, my, my parents and my, well, my, my grandparents and my dad like grew up in Camden, New Jersey, which was when it was a nice, when it was 100% Italian Americans, like not, not at all what it is today. Um, but I don't, I have no memory. I think maybe I was in that house when I was like two or three years old or, or not even, I don't even know. So I have no memory of that, but yet I kind of have a feeling of what it was like in those old days, but that's not my personal experience. And those people, and you know, they're not around, no one's even around anymore to ask about what was it really like then. So I'd say to, to recap, it's definitely about a shared experience, um, feeling like you have a bond um, because you're in that club <laughs> and um, kind of a, a feeling of nostalgia. And it's also, I mean, I, I hate to, but I'm gonna bring it back to food again. It's, it's having a certain appreciation and feeling about like eating and food and like eating together and like bringing, you know, coming together, you know, um, breaking bread. It, it's it's very poetic. Uh, I I don't mean to use it this way, but I'm going to say it. It's almost a, like a shared religious experience of eating around the table. There is just something that can um, capture everything that can't even be put into words. Uh, you, you know, there there are so many words that could describe it uh, that um, it's hard to describe. Yeah, and when people cook for you or when you cook for people you know, you're giving a little bit of yourself to that person or they're giving a little bit of themselves to you. Yeah. It might be, yeah. It might be subtle and it might not be, you know, sometimes it's just a meal. Sometimes it's not like an event, but it's still, it's still there. Yeah. Um, so one more time for uh, the listeners, where can they find uh, your book and your website and um, any social media uh, for you to help follow them and get them on the right step for rediscovering they're Italian American. So again, manjawithmichelle.com. And that's my new website. And you can find links to everything on there, but directly you can go to Manja with Michelle with no spaces on Instagram um, for my Instagram page. And I post regularly, regularly there um, probably once a day. Um, so you can just follow me there and see what I'm up to. And same thing on Facebook, Manja with Michelle. You can search for, you can Google superfied and you'll find it actually in lots of online retailers um, obviously amazon barnes and noble the big ones have it um, or just email me michelle at manjawithmichelle.com and say hi i would love to hear from you and if you need help finding any of that stuff i can direct you you know what <laughs> 
I, I appreciate you for your time. Uh, you know, uh, it sometimes it's difficult to take a, a moment out of your day. And I, also, I appreciate you working with my schedule as well, being, uh, you know, a healthcare practitioner in the middle of all of this craziness. Um, so, grazie mille. Um, thank you. You know, thank you for everything. And please keep us posted. We'll be more than happy to have you back on uh, the podcast. And spread the word that there um, is an Italian-American community in Northeast Ohio, and we are struggling, but we are trying to scream out loud uh, for the rest of the United States to hear us. I definitely will. Thank you again for inviting me on your thank podcast. You. Really thank, you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.